In the name of God, the gracious, the merciful. Assalamu alaikum. May peace and blessings of God be upon you all. Welcome to the Drive Time Show here at Voice of Islam. We are with you from 4 o'clock, 404 to 6 exact. Uh, and we'll be discussing, as always, uh, two topics. In the first hour, we'll be covering, uh, first of all, we are joined by myself, Raheel Ahmed, and Salman Kamar, my co-host here in the studio. Assalamualaikum, Salman. Waalaikum salam, How are you doing? I'm very well, Alhamdulillah. How are you? Good to see you. So we're discussing two topics, as I said. Um, in the first hour, we're discussing suicide prevention, uh, creating hope through actions. We'll be you know, talking about uh, you know various talking to various experts and, 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 and different charities that are, that are doing great work in this regard and also we'll cover the Islamic element and, and, and the theological element that speaks about uh, uh, you know suicide particularly um, and then in the sec- second hour we'll be, we'll be talking about a, an, an, another v- very pertinent topic an important topic which is uh, was Adam the first man or the first prophet Right. Mm-hmm. So this is another top topic, uh, uh, you know, interesting top topic that we have for you today. And of course, as always, we would like our you know listeners to call in and and you know uh, pass on their opinions and what they think of the topic, ask questions, uh, etc. So with that, um, let's go on to our our you know first show, which is uh, you know suicide prevention, creating hope through through actions. Now. Um, World Suicide Prevention Day, as we know, takes place annually worldwide on September 10th. And also, uh, it's crucial to actually recognize that suicide is a preventable outcome rather than an unavoidable fate. However, the stigma attached to uh, mental health challenges continues to pose a significant obstacle, uh, you know, preventing open and meaningful conversations about these important matters although you know nowadays we we have and we can say that that a lot is a lot is happening whether it's on social media uh, you know people are actually speaking about it but i think more needs to be done uh, on this now according to mental health uk suicide is a leading cause of death for men under 45 meanwhile the incidence of suicides among teenage girls and young women have nearly doubled in recent times now by dismantling stigma nurturing dialogue and, and, and actually giving prominence to mental health support, we can collaborate to avert the tragic loss of lives to suicide. Now in Islam, particularly <coughs> as I mentioned, it's Voice of Islam, we, we give the Islamic perspective to every topic that we discuss here. Um, 
suicide is deemed haram, meaning it is forbidden. Uh, and Allah the Almighty, there are numerous verses, uh, particularly two that, that come to my mind is from chapter 4, verse 30, which says, And kill not your own selves. Surely Allah is merciful to you. And then chapter 2, verse 196 says, And cast not yourselves in, into ruin with your own hands. So today, join us as we delve into this poignant issue while exploring the Islamic perspective and also aim to shed light on it from a unique angle. So Salman, if you can come in and, and, and sort of explain to us the definition, you know, what does suicide actually mm-hmm. entail um, and how how can we counter it from the, from, what does Islam say about it? Well, um, if we uh, look at the definition of the word, suicide entails an individual intentionally mm-hmm. ending their own life, often stemming from challenging circumstances and overwhelming emotions. Mm-hmm. The Holy Prophet may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him said, whoever throws himself down from a mountain and kills himself will be throwing himself down in the fire of hell forever and ever. Whoever drinks poison and kills himself will be slipping it in the fire of hell forever and ever. Whoever kills himself with a piece of iron will have that iron in his hand, thrusting it into his belly in the fire of hell forever and ever. So this is mentioned in Bukhari. Mm. So, so Bukhari is, 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 is actually the, the, the most authentic uh, books of, book of tradition mm. as, 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 as we speak, a collection of, 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 of the sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Yeah. So as you were mentioning earlier, obviously, that this is something which is deemed haram, which is forbidden in Islam. Yeah. So is Islam or Muslims believe that God gives us life and therefore he is the one to take it away. Mm-hmm. As it is also mentioned in the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty states, surely to Allah we belong and to him we shall return. And this is the verse commonly recited whenever someone passes, passes away. Mm-hmm. So to strive in the way of Allah, uh, <clears throat> if, if a person does strive in the way of Allah, he will be reward, rewarded, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, that that striving will, will only come from, from from a position of hardship. Mm-hmm. So essentially, Muslims are being told to not give up in any sort of situation or circumstances. Yeah. The promised Messiah, والسلام, the founder of the MDA community, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Qadian, peace be upon him, um, he said, the reason is that there are obstacles at every step which cause one to stumble. God is a pearl, and when a person gains insight into his being, i.e. God's being, he begins to view materialistic things with such contempt and scorn that he must force and compel himself to even cast a glance upon such matters. Mm. Hence, seek the true insight of God (coughs) Almighty and take your every step in his direction, for it is in this that all success lies. Interesting. I mean, if 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 you look at the you know, the the first hadith you read, and I think and I think let's be very honest about it. It's it's um, very clearly you 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 can say that the the outcome of of one killing himself is actually very very extreme yes. from 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 the Islamic perspective. Yes. And the question would be why why that is, and I think you've you explained you've explained that through 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 the verse of the Quran that this nafs this being of ours is is an amana from God, right? Mm-hmm. It's a trust that's given to us, mm-hmm. right? And 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 that we have a certain guideline 
through which we have to live our life. Yes. And another aspect to that is none of us or our conditions in the world are the same. Hmm. Right? There are people around the world and th- then that goes into another discussion with regards to God being just or not and all of these things. Um, you know, some are poor, some are rich, some, you know, are born disabled. Right? Yeah. Every, yeah. every one of us has different challenges. Hmm. Right? But this particularly, you know, this 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 point that you mentioned from the Promised Messiah, the, the founder of the Muslim communities, where he says that God is a power and when a person gains insight into his being, he begins to view materialistic things with such contempt and scorn that he must force and compel himself to 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 even cast a glance upon such matters. Now, I, we do have our first guest on the line, mm. but I think here, particularly speaking, he's speaking about looking at this world, right, that we live in, because mm. a lot of the times, a lot of the cases that we we do come across, right, mm-hmm. pa- pa- particularly are, you know, with regards to mental health, there could be many, you know, issues many reasons why a person would go down that route, right? Yeah. And every individual is not the same as the other, right? His challenges cannot be compared to the other. But particularly in in, in, in the West, so far as the cases that I've come across, yeah. and especially those with regards to social media, bullying and all of these things, mm-hmm. they very much fall under these, this, this thing, isn't it? That, yeah. that when we think of this life to be all and you know everything that, that we do here, that's it, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing else matters. Then... This really becomes an issue, yeah. and this is why. And I, and I think we will, we will discuss this further going down <coughs> with regards to statistics. Why is it the case that people that are more religious mm. are less likely to yeah. go down the route of suicide? Yes, yes. You know, hope Absolutely. and hope and faith, and you know what it does for you. So I think we can also speak to uh, you know our guests about this as well. We do have uh, on the line our first guest. We have Yvette Greenway Manfield. Um, Yvette is a CEO. Sorry. We have Fatima on the line. Apologies. So we have Fatima on the line, uh, who, who, who's, who's volunteering at Blackburn Samaritans for over two years. Assalamu alaikum, Fatima. Thank you for joining us. And apologies for that mistake. <laughs> it's all right. Wa alaikum, assalamu wa rahmatullah. Yeah, yeah, you've been talking and I've been listening um, yeah. on the laptop. <laughs> yeah. uh, alhamdulillah, you've made some very valid points there in regards to religion. Yeah. Um, as you can tell by my name. Um, yeah. I am a Muslim. Thank you. Um, however, I do have a few things to say when uh, when when we start talking and you start asking some questions mm-hmm. um, in regards to um, suicide and uh, well, it's quite close to home for me as well. So, oh, okay. Uh, when you're ready, Bismillah. Yeah, Bismillah. I mean, it is it is a. I mean, to be honest, it is it is it is a difficult topic to speak on, mm-hmm. right? Um, you you have to take into account the other person's feelings, and you know, yeah. if, if you're speaking to someone who's gone through this, or the family member's gone through this, or the child has gone through this. Mm. Uh, but the reality is when we talk about Islam and the religion of God, it is what it is. We can't change it. Mm. And and we have to own up to it. And we have yeah. to say, this is what the religion of the text says. Mm. Right? Um, so, so, so the first question that we have for you is, what is the significance of uh, World Suicide Prevention Day? And how is Samaritans uh, commemorating this occasion? So, um, World well, Suicide Prevention Day is on this Sunday, as uh, I think you've already pointed out, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Um, so with um, Samaritans, we encourage people to check in with friends and families um, that they're concerned about and reassure them that it's okay to like, ask direct questions. It, like you said um, earlier, you know, suicide, you hear the word and it's already stigma. It's like, what is it? Oh no, we can't talk about this. Um, it's, it's just not put out there in the way that we should like we should talk about it it's obviously from 
many different perspectives. Everybody has their own opinion. But with Samaritans, we say that it's okay to talk about these things. It's okay to open up about it. Inevitably, we can save lives <coughs> just talking because somebody somewhere is always struggling. Um, so, yeah, it's just about reducing the stigma around suicide more than anything else. Wonderful. Um, what, what makes using appropriate language when discussing suicide so crucial? Well, to be honest, um, anything relating to suicide is, is going to be highly sensitive. Um, it's The language there is very important. It's how we approach things. Um, just in general, like if you're asking somebody, um, you know, suicide, the word suicide, it's, like, it's so difficult for people to even say it. Um, you know, you, we see it and we hear it all the time that somebody's taken their own life. And that's what we at Samaritans say, that, you know, we'd rather say they've took their own life rather than say that person has committed suicide hmm. you know um, mm. but so yeah so if, if if someone asks sorry sorry to push on this but if uh, i mean it's coming from total ignorance i have to be on on, on honest here so so yeah. what would be the difference let's say if, if, what would be the difference in in language if you say someone's taken their life and and suicide what what connotation does you know the two different words give well, well first of all it's it's clarifying and you know, when you're asking this question about suicide, hmm. you've got to approach it delicately. It's not something that you can just, you know, spring on someone. They're already going through hmm. 101 thoughts in their mind. It's about being non-judgmental more than anything else. Yep. We don't want people to take their lives. We don't want that. But we do want them to talk about it. And so we can help them explore them feelings that they're feeling like this. Because sometimes it could be a case of, I don't want to live anymore because I want the situation to stop. But yep. that's what they're trying to say. But then they might say, well, "I'm going to kill myself. I want to kill myself." Mm-hmm. You know, it's just yeah. that. Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've, absolutely. And, and and in what ways can you provide assistance to, let's say, individuals uh, that you're worried about? Um, well, just let them know that you're there for them more than anything else, and approach it. You know, like. So it's a gentle approach. It's giving them that safe space to talk about their feelings and the thoughts that they might be having, asking open questions. At Samaritans, we're trained to leave our own personal views and opinions, like whether it be religious views or just your own view in general. Mm-hmm. It's giving them that safe space to talk and signposting them to organisations just like Samaritans. And we are there to listen and you know, reminding them that suicidal thoughts usually do pass and things can get better. Yeah. And, of course, in the emergency to call 999. But I think the biggest one is that at Samaritans we don't judge and we say be yeah. compassionate, <coughs> listen and be, in, be a, a real ear. Um, you see, sometimes there, there, are, there is a certain individual we might be worrying about, but at the same time, that individual is not willing to approach anyone, right? So how how do we make sure or how do we get them to sort of, let's say, open up or how do we engage in a dialogue with them? Well, of course, it's, it can be really difficult. You, you're anxious yourself to ask the question. Mm. Um, I know I am. Um, if I had to ask somebody, if, you know, are you all right? Are you feel, why are you feeling like this? Mm-hmm. But it's showing them that you care. It's building that trust and yeah. allowing them to say what they want. You know, um, me personally, from my own personal perspective, is that um, I'm a Muslim, mm-hmm. and I believe that, you know, Allah is our biggest judge. Mm. And although they're two separate things, Samaritans and my religion, yeah. I, I do take things from there that are very similar. Being kind, being compassionate, it's about having 
good character, isn't it, more than anything else. That's why Islam teaches us. And I believe that I can take that to Samaritans and use it. And at, at the end of the day, I feel quite rewarded. But at the same time, when I've been able to listen to someone, sometimes it's not always about suicide. Samaritans are there for a whole range of things. You can literally, you know, ring up and say, I'm not having such a good day or I've lost my job. You know, we've got all these issues at the minute, like people are feeling lonely. We've had bereavement. Um, I know myself, I've gone through quite a bit in this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mental health and stuff like that with COVID happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not something that you have to specifically talk about to Samaritans with there for anything. And the best thing is that it's confidential. It's a service where you don't have to give your name. Mm-hmm. You can literally pick the phone up, give us a call and talk. We're there to provide the best emotional support that we can yeah. and possibly signpost you to any other organisations that may be able to help you in the area that you're struggling with. Interesting. And um, um, sorry, s- sorry uh, just just to sort of carry on on that. Um, now, if, if someone has, let's say, opened up to, to, to you guys, to the Samaritans, and uh, he or she has potentially come off the idea of taking their own life, um, is there some sort of follow-up from you guys as well? Um, do, do, do you? Yeah. yeah. Yes, of course there is. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, that we can signpost them to other places. We and but as an organisation ourselves, we will follow up and you know we will provide a call, a support plan, or <coughs> whatever it is that we can do um, in the best possible interest of that individual who's called. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and. Um, could you maybe also address uh, the question about your experience, you know, of serving as a volunteer, uh, you know, who listens to others, and, and also what methods do you employ to, I think I think you've already alluded to that, to provide support to those who reach out to Samaritans. So if you can cover, cover these both elements in, in, the, in, in your answer, please. Um, well, I've been there myself, personally, where I felt like I've, there is no hope. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you feel like you don't want to live anymore. It's not because you don't really want to live. It's simply because you want to be heard or because you're struggling mm-hmm. with something and you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. But mm-hmm. I personally did call Samaritans. It was albeit a very long time ago, and I'm a lot better from where I was then to now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've only got, um, you know, a lot at first to thank for, but people at Samaritans did help me um, it was just one call and that call did so much for me because the person on the other side was non-judgmental mm. they were patient they were compassionate they didn't shout they didn't say like this is wrong um, they didn't bring their own views into it mm-hmm. they gave me that safe space and mm-hmm. to me now it's I can be there for other people just just the same you know it might, I never will be able to repay what that person did for me um, but I hope that inshallah I can give that little bit back. Inshallah. Um, well, one last question before um, we we we, we uh, end this uh, these questions to you. What methods do you employ to to provide support? I mean, we I know that you have uh, talked to us a bit about this earlier as well. But what sort of methods do you employ to provide support to those who reach out to to the Samaritans? Well, Samaritans are here 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all throughout the year, anytime, literally we're there. So you can call us on 116-123. If you don't feel comfortable calling someone, maybe want to email us. Um, There's a website. uh, All the information is there. You can write to us for free. Um, There's always some sort of an outreach event 
um, mm-hmm. you know, happening around your community. So again, I'd say look at the website or contact your local branch. There's a self-help app. But yep. no, I would really put that number out there and say, if you are worried or you are someone that is struggling out there, don't feel like you're on your own. You know, it's, it, it can be anything. It, today we're talking about suicide, but when I say Samaritans are there for you, for anything we are and we're there to listen so please call us on double one six one two three and inshallah we can be there for you and help you through your you know your struggles and mm-hmm. explore your feelings and your thoughts and inshallah whoever is struggling out there please know that we are here thank you so much fatima it was a pleasure speaking to you and i i hope and pray you continue this 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 journey of yours uh, in, a, in, a, in a positive manner. Thank you so I'm much. Take care. Thank you. Salam alaikum. is the number to call. We're here for you. We want to listen to your your side of the story. And I mean, one of the things I do want to listen to, uh, Salman, more is, is how, you know, practically one can approach. And I think this is what you were trying to get to when you were asking this question. What are, what are some of the things when you're mm. speaking to someone like that, because uh, someone might not have the number of Samaritans, and yes. or, you know, so yes. I think we should all be trained as as, as family members or yes. as you know, as someone. Say, if someone does does come approach, how? Okay, yeah, we can try to be non-judgmental and stuff like that, but but, but I think that there must be some you know procedure in place, mm. you know, step by step, what, mm. what needs to be done. I think it'll be interesting to to understand and un- understand that side of things, maybe from our f- you know uh, guests that are going to be that we're going to be speaking to, uh, yeah. you know next of course and i think we, ha- we we do have on the line our ne- next guest we're, we're we're speaking now to yvette greenway mansfield um yvette is uh, ceo and co-founder of sos silence of suicide and in 2015 following personal losses to suicide yvette uh, greenway mansfield and her husband michael mansfield decided that mental health and suicide needed challenging and they decided to form SOS, which is uh, Silence of Suicide. Uh, assalamu alaikum, a peace and blessings of God be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Hello, thank you so much for having me today. It's lovely to be talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us and taking out your time. Um, the questions that we have for you, um, we're also learning here, to be honest. You know, mm, we're, yeah. we're mm-hmm. presenting, presenting this program, but the purpose of speaking to people like you is to is is to get better understanding of 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 how we can actually proceed, uh, you know, approach the, these things in our personal lives, and those that are listening can benefit as well. Um, can mm. you tell us first of all, uh, you know, tell us a bit more about you know the founding story of uh, SOS, uh, you know, your 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 charity, and 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 the motivation behind starting this organization following personal losses to suicide. Mm. Yes, of course, Um, and it's very heartening to hear uh, that you're trying to spread the word about this, by the way, to encourage people, you know, to talk about this and to to realise that it is a big problem. Mm -hmm. Um, Michael and I founded SOS um, on the back of tragedy and loss. Um, Michael lost one of his daughters, Anna, to suicide, and just five months before I'd lost a lifelong friend of mine to suicide. Um, and in both cases, 
you know, it wasn't seen. We had no idea that there was anything wrong and nothing that aroused suspicion at all. And I think that's one of the key things about suicide and how we all need to try and learn about it and that how it may present and how it may not present. Um, but going back to your original question, it was a case of, okay, it's an elephant in the room. Nobody really wants to be talking about it. Mm-hmm. So how do we take that stigma away? Yeah. How do we remove the stigma that is so damaging because it's prohibiting potentially life-saving conversations. We know there are great charities and organizations out there already doing amazing work. But the, the fact is we need a really crowded market in order to make feel, people feel comfortable. You know, so that if they need to talk, it's complete, there is no taboo anymore. We've got to remove that taboo. It's holding people back. And really, that's what SOS is all about. It's all about communication. Yep. It is about liberating people to have the freedom to say, you know what, I do not feel good today. I need someone to talk to, please will you give me five minutes and just listen to me? Because very often, that's all it takes to make a difference to someone's day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, one thing you mentioned um, in, in, in regards to the losses that yourself and your husband had is, is that um, those came um, out of nowhere, if, 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 I'm, if I'm using the, the right wording here, or something that maybe could not have been predicted earlier, right? Um, and I've also read a lot about this on the internet and sometimes you, you, you see these last or final pictures of certain individuals that take their lives and they seem very happy and they're always smiling. I remember the example of um, uh, Stephen Boss, I think his name was, he, he was the DJ at the Ellen DeGeneres show. Um, mm. Similarly, his his last pictures. I mean, he 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 was a very jolly fella, and he and he was always as he, he seemed very happy in his life. Mm-hmm. So how how can we in in our circles as as uh, ordinary people um, identify someone who may be going through such difficulties? Mm. Yes, and it's very interesting. You're quite right, actually. The only thing that we have managed to identify, which obviously has not been peer-reviewed or confirmed, so this is just from our findings from people that we've come across, um, is that you're right, there seems to be a period of happiness that seems to happen where maybe they've been depressed before and all of a sudden they start acting as if everything's okay. They start smiling again and they're happy. And usually uh, what our findings tell us is that's when people have taken the decision to end their lives. Mm. And because they've taken the decision, they feel a sense of relief and they're acting completely normally, which Mm. again (laughs) throws us all off kilter because we think everything's okay. So therefore we stop looking at the situation, we stop looking at them. But I think, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in observing, mm-hmm. okay? Even if people aren't talking or, or even if you aren't listening, you can observe people. So when you're out and about, I, I always remember an instance at a, a Marylebone station in London and there was a lady who was sitting down on, I, I can't remember which was one of the chairs waiting waiting for a train and she just looked really, really low. You know, she mm. looked upset. She wasn't mm. crying at that point, but she looked really lost and really alone. And it was bothering me. So I went up to her. I said, look, I'm sorry. You can tell me to go away if you want me to go away. I said, but I just get the feeling that something might be wrong. Are you okay? Do you need any help? Mm. And with that, she burst into tears and she said, I've missed my train. 
I haven't got any money to get on the next train. I'm stuck here and I don't know what to do because no one will help me. Mm. So I, I said, come with me. And so we went up to the, um, you know, the man that was looking after the train, the conductor, and I explained the situation. I said, please, can you help this young lady get home safely? She's on her own. She needs some help. Mm -hmm. And they put her on the train. So it's about, that's a very, you know, that, that, that's not a serious situation, I understand. But that could have led to something else. She was so distressed when she let it all out because she was mm. panicking. She was vulnerable. Mm. Um, and so it's about watching. How are people looking? Does something look wrong to you with the way someone is behaving or looking? If, it, if you feel that there might be something wrong, then don't be afraid of saying to them, look, do you need any help? Are you okay? That's perhaps one of the most powerful and constructive things we can do as a society. I think that's really beautiful, beautiful. And, and while you were you know, you while you were explaining this, I, I, I was just wondering. Whenever I've been on train or, you know, been on the tube, the majority of the people are not even consciously living themselves. Mm. If you really think about it, you know, in the current society that we're living in. Mm. Mm. majority of us are on our phones or we're mm. you know we're we're listening to a podcast mm. or whatever we're not really observing the people around us so no. so it kind of goes to show where the need lies you know that we need to be present in the moment uh, you know uh, you know of, of you know of the things that we're doing um yeah. and and that's the only way we can you know make some sort of a change because uh, yeah. this subject right of suicide or we've done we've done numerous programs yeah. you know already you know ab about it whether it's depression anxiety and all of these things right and a mm. lot a lot is being talked about but i think practically us as individuals you know we need to do a lot in our lives mm. you know small mm. things as you've just taken that step and you know you've helped that lady i think this is this is something that needs to be done more uh, but it moving does. Any, yeah. Anybody can do it. That's the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. You don't need to have a medical certificate saying mm. that you're, you know, trained to do this or trained. All you have to be is yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's all you have to be. It is so, so simple that yeah. anybody can do it, you know. True. And how does, uh, you know, your, your work, uh, you know, uh, you know, towards encouraging and understanding tolerance and kindness, uh, you know, of, of your organization in society. Mm -hmm. How how does it advocate, you know, how, uh, you know, how, how do you guys do this work? Mm. Well, it really, it, it's about day upon day reminding people about the values of, of life, the values that they bring to society as people and that we all bring together as collectively. So we start it, you know, in the workplace, as it were, so our volunteers, our paid employees, you know, they are all <coughs> reminded that they have a value. Uh, we we welcomely uh, we, we we welcome open conversation as far as we're concerned. Anybody that we interact with, whether it's inside the charity or externally, everybody should be free to talk as they need to talk. Whatever they're saying, you know, if it makes us uncomfortable, that's our problem. Mm. But they shouldn't be made to feel, um, you know, they, they shouldn't be made to feel silenced because mm -hmm. somebody else might be uncomfortable. So that's the first place that we can start. And again, everybody can do that. Forget how you feel, right? But if that person needs to speak, it, let them speak because actually you're helping them. So it starts and it can start in the home. 
okay, bringing your children up to to show compassion and tolerance for others, and especially for people that are different, you know, perhaps those with, with disabilities, and that can be a physical or a mental disability, or both of them, uh, but it's being tolerant of those people and realizing that actually as human beings, we all have a value in this world. We all have a part to play in this world and we can all make a difference in this world and it's about just repeating it and getting people to buy on board with that to get on board with it and carry that forward into everyday life wherever they are whether they're in the shops and there might be an old lady that can't reach a tin of food get the tin of food for the old lady it's really simple things <coughs> it's it's not rocket science we should all as human beings mm-hmm. be showing that level of compassion and kindness anyway is our belief absolutely and I, I think that's also um the the dilemma of of, of our times that things mm. that may have been very common 20, 30, 40 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, now we have to remind ourselves to, to, to do those things, right? So, very basic think, stuff. Yeah, I think there is a fear factor in today's society. Mm. I think people are worried about approaching other people in mm-hmm. case they get accused of something or the other person treats it as unwanted attention. Mm. And, and I do realize that one has to consider one's moves very carefully. Uh, but I think if you've observed for a few moments and, you know, most people are, are, most of us have got good instincts, okay? And if your instinct is telling you something doesn't look right, fine. And, you know, if the person starts acting in a different way and maybe they become physically agitated, uh, you know, they're ex- exhibiting other uh, forms of behavior which make you think, maybe I shouldn't get involved here. Well, then phone the emergency services, speak to a policeman, speak to, you know, someone else that has the qualifications, has the ability to go up and speak to that person and help them and get any situation under control. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, can, can you share some success stories um, of the positive impact SOS has had on individuals and mm. in, in regards to health support, uh, mental health support or uh, suicide prevention? Mm, absolutely. Well, okay, there's two particular stories I'd like to recount here with you. Um, the first one was actually quite recent, and one of our volunteers went on a suicide prevention course, um, so a paid-for course, and uh, she sent me an email at the end of the course And she said, I just wanted to tell you how much being a volunteer and helping people means to me after today. I went on my course and I knew everything already from what you had taught me and the values you had instilled into me about people and how to treat people. And she said, at the end, they were actually asking me to give them guidance on how certain approaches might be correct or incorrect or what other ways they could manage things and I felt really proud of the charity as a whole um, that we're teaching them you know in such a good way in the right way and about people not just about mental health but about people and she was just absolutely elated her confidence has gone through the roof 
So there you go. You know, you've improved someone's mental health without actually even trying. And that was just so rewarding. I was so pleased for her. And she is a great volunteer. And again, so for the people we support, they know that that is a kind of that is the kind of person we've got at the end of our phone line or in our face-to-face meetings. Those are the kind of people we have. We train them well, okay, and they're there to, to look after people, all right? Mm-hmm. So not just to listen, but to look after people. The other incident was when we had one of our public meetings where people come together, uh, whatever their experience of poor mental health and or suicide, we bring them all together. And we've had some really massive meetings of over... 300 people where they just come and they just talk and they Mm -hmm. connect and they network but we had a gentleman come to one of our very first meetings and he was a gentleman in his 60s and his father he told us about how his father had taken his own life when he was 10 years of age and he came Mm -hmm. to the meeting and it was the first time in his entire life that he had felt free and safe in the right environment to open up and talk about it and he stood there and he cried he cried with relief that he was able to open up because he'd been carrying this burden around with him all his life Mm -hmm. you know all these feelings he had and a bit of guilt as well did i do something wrong is that why daddy did what he did and of course that's not the case at all but you know people don't necessarily recognize that so he'd gone through his whole life not being or not feeling able to talk he comes to a meeting and he gets up and you think how brave this is really it's amazingly brave what an incredible man and he stood there and he just talked and everybody just listened and they were spellbound And, you know, that was such an inspiring moment for us. And at that point, we thought, absolutely, we are doing the right thing as a charity because if we can can encourage people to open up like this and go back so far in time and feel better at the end of it, feel relieved at the end of it, then, my goodness me, that is something for us to be proud of and for communities and human beings wherever they are to feel really safe about and really really reassured about that that support is there that that opportunity to talk mm-hmm. and to be heard and not to be judged or challenged is there and that's what we give people wonderful and lastly uh Yvette, if you can tell us about the future plans and aspirations of sos and how can you know individuals or communities get involved you know with this work uh you know to to you know promoting compassion and understanding in society Mm, well absolutely i mean first of all to everyone that's listening i described earlier how on an everyday basis you can practice compassion and kindness that is not difficult so if you're not doing it please just one act of compassion or kindness a day just by checking in on someone that is you making your mark bringing your bit into the mental health arena, okay, that can do someone some good. If you'd like to come and and get involved more deeply with the work that we do, you can go to our website, which is sossilenceofsuicide.org. There is an email address and a contact form on there, so please, if you'd like to volunteer with us and help us, that would be fantastic. Equally, 
if you feel strongly enough about this subject and realise the challenges we all have about it, if you'd like to fundraise for us, there are those opportunities as well. And also if you want to come on our training courses, we are putting some training courses together to help people understand what they can do within society on a daily basis to help others and, you know, to practice that side of just being human. Yvette, you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Okay, okay. Thank you so much. I mean, uh, it was wonderful to have you on. Thank you so much for giving us the insight and uh, really the understanding uh, to 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 approaching, you know, um, people and you know, uh, you know, approaching this the whole idea of of preventing you know suicide. Thank you so much once again. It was wonderful you speaking are to you. Very welcome. You too. And thank you for everybody that's listening. And please all stay safe and look after yourselves and each other. Thank you very Likewise. much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 02086877878 is the number to call. We're nearing the end of our pro- uh, nearing the end of our first hour uh, which, where we're discussing uh, you know suicide prevention, creating hope through actions and and next we'll be speaking to another important guest that we have on the line. We have Imam Qasim Chaudhary who is a missionary serving in Austin, USA. Now we'll be able to get, you know, more of the Islamic perspective yeah. and, and, and what does Islam say with regards to and how should we approach, uh, you know, uh, such such an issue, you yeah. know, in, in, in society. Uh, so with this short introduction, Asalaamu Alaikum, Imam Qasim, are you on the line? Assalamualaikum, yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. I think you were listening to the conversation we were having with our previous guests, um, you know, particularly. Um, one thing, uh, you know, I do want to begin with, with, with let's say, uh, you know, what, how does Islam, you know, f- first of all, view the sanctity of life and, and, and the responsibility, uh, you know, of, of believers to protect and preserve it? That's the first aspect of that question. And the second is, are there specific references uh, from the Quran and the traditions of the Prophet, the Hadith that emphasize this this principle. Uh, yes, of course. Um, you know, before I delve into this topic, it's important to acknowledge that discussions regarding the sanctity of life in Islam are sometimes, unfortunately, overshadowed by the historical context of early Islamic warfare mm-hmm. and indeed the actions of some Muslims in the present age as well. And detractors often exploit these historical events to vilify Islam and depict it as an inherently aggressive religion that disregards human life. However, this portrayal couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, within chapter 5, verse 33 of the Holy Quran, which is the sacred text of Muslims, we know that God Almighty unequivocally states that unjustly taking a single life is equivalent to the murder of all of humanity while saving a single life is akin to preserving the entirety of humanity. And what's more is that the founder of Islam, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is on record to have said, and I quote, God has made the blood, property, and honor of every human being sacred. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just going back quickly to this point of warfare in Mm -hmm. Islam, and especially early Islam, you know, when we think about war and we talk about war, we know that that is a situation and circumstance <coughs> where generally history people have thrown out this concept of the sanctity of human life and there are barbaric things and horrific things which occur during war but we see that you know even in the context of war the prophet muhammad the founder of islam 
he laid an emphasis on uh, the sanctity of life. And I'll give you a few examples. You know, he said that during wars, and these were sort of his rules of war, one, one could say. He said that, you know, do not cut a tree. Don't kill a child. Don't kill old people. Don't destroy a temple or a church. Don't destroy a building. Don't kill those who surrender. Don't kill those who run away. Don't kill a woman. Don't kill a sick person. Don't kill a monk or a priest. Don't disfigure the dead. Don't kill an animal except for eating. No, be good to the prisoners. Feed them. Don't enforce Islam. So we see there are so many rules and commandments that the Prophet Muhammad, even uh, in the context of war, has laid out. And it's not only just for humans. We see he extends this sanctity of life to animals and to vegetation, to trees. Yep. So this, this to put in context, shows how Islam views um, you know, life and how sacred it is. And I just want to finish with a beautiful sentiment of the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, uh, peace be upon him, where he once stated, uh, be kind, merciful to all humanity, for all are his creatures. Do not oppress them with your tongues, hands, or in any other ways. Always work for the good of humanity. So we can see from these two examples how Islam holds human life to such a high degree. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Imam Qasim, in the face of of modern challenges like the the um, isolation and um, societal pressures, what guidance does Islam offer to individuals who may be struggling with thoughts of self harm or uh, suicide? Perfect. Uh, you know, earlier we were we were discussing the aspect of, of stigma when it comes to this subject. Um, and I just want to share two verses of the Holy Quran uh, to carry on this discussion. You know, the first one is in chapter 17, verse 84, where God the Almighty states, And when we bestow favor on man, he turns away and goes aside. Mm. And when evil touches him, he gives himself up to despair. Now, in this uh, short verse of the Holy Quran, we can see that, you know, it's natural sometimes when we are going through adversity or a tough time that we feel like, you know, giving up or we feel like, we're going through some grief or despair and we have these negative thoughts but when life is going our way and life is going good then you know naturally we are on the upside we're we're smiling and Mm -hmm. um we're feeling good but then in another verse of the holy quran chapter 12 verse 88 allah the almighty states and despair not of the mercy of allah for none despairs of allah's mercy save the unbelieving people so in this verse god almighty he's sort of explaining to us that a characteristic of the believers or those who have strong faith, that they do not lose this open Allah the Almighty and His mercy. Whereas those who are disbelieving, a characteristic about them is that they fall into this uh, pit of despair and this deep level of grief and they give up in life, right? And they forget that God Almighty is there to hold their hand and and to help them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I just wanted to start off with, with these two important points. And, um, you know, when we look at this first verse, we see the aspect of gratitude. And, you know, this is something you can just listen to uh, one of those self-help podcasts. And, you know, repeatedly uh, people are telling us how important, how essential gratitude is, especially in those times when we are feeling low or when life isn't going our way. And if we can latch on to the good moments in life or, or look at the positives that we have in our life, this can definitely help us climb out of that, uh, you know, that, that pit of despair that we might find ourselves in. And, you know, you had alluded to the um, challenge of isolation. And, you know, this is so relevant for us, especially 
you know, we were going through COVID and we see that there is this spike uh, of mental health issues. And we see that people are now going through this forced isolation and we saw the negative effects that it was having on our mental health. But the religion of Islam is so beautiful and all-encompassing that it even uh, addresses this issue. And, you know, there are scores of studies which show us that isolation kills. That's how dangerous it is. But we know that the religion of Islam is a, a religion which promotes and encourages community. It encourages us to get out of our houses, get out of our comfort zone and go and meet people, you know, be a- around people. And this in itself, it may seem like a small thing, but this can literally save people's lives by, by communicating with others, by being in the company of others. You know, similarly, again, going back to, uh, you know, the podcast today, we see that there are so many influencers or so many self-help people who are discussing fitness and, and, and diet and nutrition and going outside uh, looking at sunlight, you know, these are all things that Allah Ta'ala in the Holy Quran has already mentioned. You know, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he has encouraged all these things. You know, for example, when we talk about fitness, this is something is spoken about at length these days. Yeah. You know, the Prophet Muhammad, he said very clearly that those, that, that, that Allah loves uh, a strong believer as opposed to a weak believer. You know, in the Holy Quran, the, the, you know, just the other day I was looking at this, this subject of looking at sunlight and how you know, it balances out your cortisol levels and how it helps you uh, adjust your sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Holy Quran, Allah Ta'ala makes it very clear that, you know, we should use the day for our work and going out and we should use the nighttime uh, for rest. And, you know, this is something which is plaguing a lot of young people as well, where mm-hmm. we're staying up uh, in the night and this is disrupting our entire routine and, you know, uh, throwing off our hormone levels and this is adding to our mental distress, believe mm-hmm. it or not. So again, we know that uh, repeatedly we find all this guidance in the Quran, and then ultimately, um, the the main, the major one that I believe is the remembrance of God, mm-hmm. you know, holding our faith. And this is something that is uh, difficult in this day and age, where we see that we have the rise of atheism and the rise of materialistic pursuits, and this is causing um, a lot of anguish in people, a lot of emptiness in our hearts and our soul. So that's why ultimately God Almighty is drawing us to this point that if we focus on our faith, on our religion, on our relationship with God Almighty, then definitely this will help us in our mental, spiritual, and physical health. Wonderfully put there, uh, Imam Qasim. And, and of course, we don't have much time, but you know, last question that we have for you, all of the points that are made are all valid and you know, one can speak on them for, for, a long, for, for a very long time. Now, according to Islamic teachings, you know, forgiveness uh, holds uh, significant importance. We know that you know whether it's punishment or forgiveness, they both they they they're both uh, for the purpose of reformation. How can individuals you know uh, you know grappling with feelings of guilt or past errors and and also contem- uh, contemplating self harm discover healing and 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 seek forgiveness as a pathway to overcoming emotional turmoil? Uh, thanks for the question. It's a wonderful question. You know the. Um founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, may peace be upon him, he once stated that the basis of faith is hope and anticipation. Mm. And Islam is a religion which advocates peace and condemns despair. You know, earlier I mentioned that uh, hope is an attribute of the believers, whereas despair is an attribute of the disbelievers. And God Almighty clearly says that, you know, do not despair of the mercy of Allah, for none despairs of Allah's mercy save the unbelieving people. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting, this question, because 
we may come across, you know, moments in our lives where, you know, we feel inside that we are going through, you know, we have self-guilt or we have, when we look upon our past errors because we are weak human beings, and we may feel that, you know, what's the point of everything? Mm-hmm. You know, we may start losing hope, right, when it comes to uh, owing our rights to our family or our faith, whatever it may be. You know, it's very beautiful. The the uh, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the Promised Messiah, Islam, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam, and peace be upon him, he writes in one place that do not lose hope and do not be discouraged by the thought that our souls are so defiled with sin. Uh, what value are our supplications and what impact would they have? The human soul has in fact been created for the love of God, and although the fire of sin may intensely excite him, even then he possesses such power of repentance that it can extinguish that fire. Just as you observe that however much water is heated, when it is poured over a fire, it still extinguishes the fire. And you know, this quotation is so relevant to us, mm-hmm. that there are times in our lives when, you know, you, you may feel that, you know, I'm not worthy uh, of doing a certain thing, or maybe a, a good deed, because I've done so much wrong, right? But this is something that um, the Holy Quran in Islam constantly encourages us, that, you know, we shouldn't have this, pessimistic mindset we should always have an optimistic mindset mm-hmm. and especially towards God we shouldn't forget that he is merciful and that he will forgive our sins you know we have in the Holy Quran God says that all oh, my servants who have committed excesses against their own souls despair not of the mercy of Allah surely Allah forgives all sins and you know the optimism which permeates the Holy Quran is unequaled in any other holy book and we find a beautiful passage that I would just like to end off with where Allah the Almighty states surely there is ease after hardship and this breathe new life into every person who reads such quotes Jazakumullah may Allah bless you Imam Qasim it was, it was a pleasure speaking to you unfortunately the times got on the bad, bad better of us um, we will surely speak to you in future thank you for covering uh, you know all of these uh, answering all of these questions very eloquently and, and very comprehensively Jazakumullah for joining us once again Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh so this was Imam Qasim Chaudhary all the way from uh, Austin, Tech, uh, Austin U- 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 USA, serving as a missionary there. Wonderfully answered, you know, these questions. And, and this, this is, I think, one of the aspects I really wanted to cover. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially when 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 you have these discussions, um, where you know you have to leave out your personal views, right? You don't, you you know, it, it is said don't speak about religion. Mm. I mean, it is understandable that you have to listen and you have to. First of all, give that person the time to explain themselves. Mm. But religion might be the thing that they're missing. Yeah. So yeah. for you to hold back that from them, yeah, it's injustice. Exactly. Are you, are you getting the point? Mm. And this is mm. why I think <clears throat> this is why it's important because from our perspective, from the perspective, from the perspective of those who follow religion, and um, you know, exactly. it is only the, through the remembrance of God, yeah. hearts find comfort. Yeah. Right. So what, someone who believes in that, right, and who experiences that. He would always want to share that with others, exactly. and I think this is something that's very important. Of course, we're coming to the, you know, end of the program. Yeah, do you want, I mean, look, do you want I mean, to cover? You, 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 you were saying rightly. I mean, how how often have we had some sort of hardship in life, mm-hmm. and we just poured out everything in in our salat? We we said it to Allah the Almighty, mm-hmm. and within a split second you 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 feel like a burden has been lifted off your shoulders yeah right so that is exactly what we are trying to give to the world today that is exactly what the Ahmadiyya community what Islam what the Prophet ﷺ came for to make people understand about the existence of a living God yeah who listens and who replies to our prayers when we speak with him 
Beautiful, right. because because you see, we we can be you know people. We have to help each you know each other, and you know at at, at times we have to be dependent on others and be, mm. tell our story and all these things. But at times people don't have the time to listen to us. They don't yes. have the time to give yes. us. But there is a being that's yes. there always for you. Exactly. And and I think this is the point that we're trying to emphasize here that it it is something to be experienced. Yes. No matter how much one speaks about it, it's through experience that you reach convic 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 conviction of you know um, of what we're speaking about. Mm. So I think it is for people to now. Um, and, and there are numerous examples, uh, you know, of people who have, you know, chosen this this life, you know, gone mm-hmm. towards Allah the Almighty, you know, and 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 have have actually experienced this, you know, for them yes. th- from from their, from from themselves. So Absolutely. I think we're coming to the end of the program. Um, you know, a lot to learn there from you know all of the guests that you know we were we 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 were speaking to. Um, you know, of course, you know, gratitude and 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 you know is is one of the most and, and I think one of the points I would like to men- men- mention here. We know very well the saying goes, comparison is is a thief of joy. And our beloved Prophet peace be upon him also, you know, instructed us. He says when it when when it comes to comparison, in in worldly terms, always look at those who are below you. Yeah. Right. And but when it comes to comparison in terms of you know spiritually in a in, yeah. a, in, a, in a in a in a spiritual sense morally, then always look at those who are above you so you can always improve. Mm-hmm. So I think this this. Would would inculcate the habit of you know gratitude and and, yeah. and 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 I think this is something that's that's that that is very very important. And another you know point with regards to you know isolation that was made there is you see there's a difference between isolation and those prophets that used to take time out and go yeah and and you know uh, yeah. practice their religion and and pray to Allah the Almighty. But there's so much to cover here. We've come to the end of the program. We've learned a lot. Uh, thanks to all of our guests, and we we are now uh, we're now going to the the, the news will shortly be back with another hour that we're going to discuss here uh, whether Adam was the first man or was he the first prophet do stay with us Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, welcome back to the second hour of Drive Time Show here at Voice of Islam. You're joined by myself, Raheel Ahmed and Salman Kamar. In this in this second hour, we're discussing an important topic, which is, was Adam the first man or was he the first prophet? Um, now, this... The story of Adam, you know, uh, you know, it's 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 a central figure in in both Bible and 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 the Quran, and has it has long captured the human imagination. But what if he told you that the perspectives on Adam's role in our history vary significantly between these two sacred texts? Today, we're not here to simply recount ancient tales, but also to unravel the profound mysteries surrounding Adam and his place in the narrative of human origins and spirituality. So in this next hour, we will navigate through the biblical and Quranic narratives, examining the subtle nuances and intriguing contradictions they present. We will discuss the forbidden tree, the existence of Adam's community and his pivotal role as a prophet and as a leader. And to shed further light on this sub-subject, we would also be listening to two audio clips of uh, I think the fourth caliph of the Amdiya Muslim community, yes. who has you know not just spoken on this, but has written extensively on this on this sub sub subject. Um, so, Salman, what what does the Bible say with regards to Adam? 
what is the what is the biblical account so in in genesis 1 and 2 the bible tells us that adam was literally the first man on earth and eve the first woman it states in the bible so god created mankind in his own image in the image of god who he created them male and female he created them and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day um it goes further to say that now you now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the lord god had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one on to work the ground but a stream came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground then the lord god formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being but for adam no suitable helper was found so the lord god caused the man to fall into a deep sleep and while he was sleeping he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh then the lord god made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man this is all mentioned in uh, genesis 2 8 to 9 and 20 to 22 so this is pretty clear uh, there according to the bible there was there were no humans god made adam from dust and breath mm-hmm. and then eve um from one of the ribs of adam so i guess the the first question we're probably going to be addressing is when was adam actually born when he when was he really born right mm-hmm. so the bible has actually served us a uh, s- sort of an immediate problem here the the, the passage from genesis 1 tells us that adam was created on the 6th day uh well after foliage had appeared on the third day then god said and again that's all according to the bible then god said let the land produce uh, vegetation seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds and it was so and there was evening and there was morning the third day however Um Genesis 2 tells us that Adam was created when no shrub had yet appeared on earth. So how did Adam appear on the 6th day? But before plants that were only produced on the 3rd day. So a bit of a contradiction really mm-hmm. to, to to I mean um I think the a lot of text here for 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 our listeners to 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 maybe take in. Yeah. But in in conclusion what we're trying to say here is that there are contradictions when it comes to to the birth or the creation mm-hmm. of Adam. Yeah. And also, you know, while um looking into this, um this 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 is more of a traditional view, right? Um you know, the commentaries of the Bible and what what is written about it. But there are pe- there are people, you know, in 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 this day and age who are Christians, but they do present an alternative, you know, um sort of interpretation of this. Mm-hmm. um you know they you know they men- mention that that the cre- that the creation versus the evolution debate uh, you know something that that has come you know to be one of the most divisive topics that we face you know and 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 many people of faith sort of fight tooth and nail to uh, keep topics like evo- you know evolution out of the sc- school curriculum yeah um and many others you know 
don't see why their children must remain in the dark because some people can't let go of their you know old age beliefs and 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 and, and it's mentioned that the common interpretation that, that that says adam was the first man in in existence is the primary misconceptions that makes the bible and the modern science seemingly incompatible mm-hmm. now correcting this one small error takes uh you know pre-flood genesis out of the realm of mythology and plants it firmly into known history so there is there is you know there's a lot that's been read written with regards to you know alternative uh, you know interpretations where it's it's mentioned uh you know that this is not referring to you know adam but it's just speaking about the birth of the first man yeah. you know who, whoever that was yeah. but, but but again that needs to be you know uh did looked into further so you know another point that we want to speak about is um you know that there are, there are more problems here you know if if you actually look at it mm-hmm. from the traditional point point of view now in genesis 1 man and women are created together on the 6th day uh, several days after plants and animal appear um and this is from genesis 1:27 so god created mankind in his own image and in the image of god he created them male and female he created them but that's a very different picture to genesis 2 which which actually describes adam being created alone followed mm-hmm. by the appearance of plants animals and the garden of eden finding no bees to be you know suitable helper for adam and then god you know apparently then made a wife for for adam um, this is from genesis 2 uh, 20 to 21 yeah. now genesis 1 tells us that that man and women are created although we're, we're repeating this but that man and women are created together as the last piece of the puzzle whereas genesis 2 tells us that Uh, Adam is the first piece and Eve the last piece. So this contradiction you know inspired ancient Jewish priests to invent a solution which is Lilith. Now Lilith was was said to be the first wife of Adam mm-hmm. mentioned in Genesis 1 who defied Adam leading to their separation then Eve came to her replacement in Genesis 2. Legend has it that Lilith was then hunted down by angels and transmuted into a night demon responsible for the deaths of infants ever since now fortunately this chilling tale has no biblical basis no other you know wife is ever named and it contradicts basically the the the, the genesis 2 account that no suitable helper was was found it also does nothing to resolve the aforementioned problems in order of days i think w- w- one thing that that's that's i mean shocking but i mean also quite predictable here mm. is that whenever religion or religious scholars don't see an outcome according to their wishes yeah. they come up with stories mm-hmm. right so this is obviously history this is thousands of years ago maybe similar things are happening even today mm-hmm. so the church may have stepped back but now the muslim scholars are at the forefront of this mm-hmm. right so as soon as there is a narrative and logical conclusion doesn't match our narrative we are going to come up with stories that that just you know and simply because god can do anything let's bring in angels and demons and mm-hmm. and what not right yeah. so this has been happening <coughs> forever basically whether it was the church or the synagogue or the mosque today yeah and that's again why it was so important that uh the the the, the advent of the prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam to come and really help us out and help us understand yeah. the the most logical reasonable and right understanding all of, of all of this because that that is exactly the reason why there 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 is this view that there's contradiction between religion and science yes yes and and this has been the case and and mm. you can't blame those people that you know that read these things and they find these contradictions yeah. and 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 you have to sort okay. of follow that that interpretation or else 
you know, a Muslim, exactly. right? So this is not the right approach. And I think we're going to come to, you know, the the Islamic understanding of, hmm. because the particular issue that, you know, the, the topic that we're discussing is whether, I, whether Adam was the first man or was he a first prophet. Even Muslims believe, you know, the traditional view is that he was the first man. Yes. But we'll see whether the Quran supports that or not whether yes. the, the traditions of the you know the prophet supports that or not i think that's the main thing mm. so i mean we are thus left with you know two uh problems while reading genesis 1 and genesis 2 as we were saying together both mm. you know biblical scholars have tried to escape this through an academic explanation these are two separate creation accounts melded together by biblical compilers intended intended to be read independently of the other while this may be true it is devastating for the believer in the Bible as God's holy word. Why is God actively misleading his followers within the first few pages of the holy book? Mm. Could he have not simply given us a coherent, truthful creation account, one that gives us both a, historic, a historical reality and spiritual instruction? Now, let alone the internal inconsistency, the substance of the Genesis stories is perhaps more uh, disconcerting for modern Christians. The idea that Adam made, well, was, was made from plants literally straight out of dust and divine breath without any kind of evolution before his wife came out of his ribs has caused some, you know, uh, you know, concert, consternation over the, over the past years, mm. right? Now, it, 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 it would uh, fatally undermine the findings of archaeology and other related fields. Now, the modern Christian is therefore left in a dilemma and that is, throw out much well-established science or discard the Bible. Yeah. And I think this is also the dile dilemma of today's Muslim as well. Uh, given the option, Christian culture at large has chosen science. Mm -hmm. But is there another way? Does, does the Holy Quran allow us to keep a more refined understanding of Adam while not rejecting modern science? So, Salman, what does the Quran say with regards to Adam? What is the story? Where, where does it actually begin? Quickly be before I get into this, your, your last point was so important. Mm -hmm. And I think it is a, a warning for us Muslims today, right? Mm -hmm. So you said that they had two options. It was either either to throw out much well-established science or discard the Bible. So what they did, because they want to go with reason and with logic, they went with science. Mm -hmm. Islam in today's day and age may be on a similar sort of um, situation, right? Yeah. So our youth is probably also on the brink of going towards science and leaving Islam mm -hmm. if we don't come up with the right solutions. Yeah, that, that's true. Uh, and, and, and I think one, th one thing to differentiate between this uh, comparison is the fact that Islam claims, uh, or, or the Quran claims, to be a non-changed word of God. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, collected, uh, you know, written down at the time of the Prophet. Mm. Right? Mm. We have the earliest manuscripts at the moment, there's one in Birmingham, yeah. right? Which is carbon date dated as well, uh, and and it is the same Quran from 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 the time of the Prophet. And this yes. promise of God was with, you know, specifically with the Quran. Yeah. So with the Muslims, there's slightly a different problem. It's more to do with the traditional, let's say, or the tafasir or the com the commentaries that, yes. that they've come with. Yeah. And and they always point to that of what these people they live just because they lived before you, their understanding has to be correct, mm. right? Mm. Whereas in the same breath, they will tell you that this this book is for the end of times. Yes. Right. So if this book is for the end of times, then then there's always a possibility for reinterpretation. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yes. There can't be a reinterpretation that whether there can be three gods or four gods. Yeah. That that's not what I'm saying. Yes. But there are certain matters 
where Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran, He, he, he says, "Oman unazilhu illa bi qadari malum." That 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 Allah the Almighty descends these matters, illa bi qadari malum. You know, in accordance with time. Yes. In, in accordance with the right time. Mm. So this is some, something that we find from the Scripture itself. Yeah. That not everything, you know, not every understanding was revealed. Exactly. Or was revealed in those the first 20-23 years mm. of 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 the compilation of the Quran and all these things, yeah. or when it was being revealed, or even after, you know, you, you know the Salafus Salih, you know the, 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 the you know the righteous scholars, mm. you know, or even after the when when the commentators wrote about these things, yeah. and many of the many of the stories that we have in the Quran, and they're, they're famously referred to as Israeliyat, mm. and mm. and we know they are taken from the biblical accounts and all yes. these things, yes. and so we're not bound to take them, mm. you know, as, as someone who's reading this these you know the you know, the Quran the text. He has to be very careful. Yeah. What is the statement of a prophet? What is his What is his interpretation? Mm. What has he mentioned about it? Or whether he is quoting an Israeliyat? He's yes. he's just referring to it that 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 Jews or Christians believe in these things. Mm. So it's 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 you know it, the, the, there has to be a methodology yeah. for us to determine what is right and exactly. what is wrong. And I think this is exactly uh, what you were saying. But now, if if you can you know m- maybe go into that discussion of. Yeah. Uh, the, the Quran. So, what does yeah. the Quran say in regards to Adam or Adam alayhi salam? May peace be upon him. So, the Quran first describes Adam in this way in chapter two, and it states, "Call to mind when thy Lord announced to the angels, I am about to place a uh, vicegerent, uh, so a Khalifa in mm-hmm. the earth." Mm-hmm. They said, "Wilt thou then place there also <coughs> such as will create disorder therein and shed blood?" While we glorify thee with thy praise and extol thy holiness, whereupon he admonished them, I know that which you know not. So this is what the Holy Quran has said in, in regards to the creation of Adam. So God said, I am about to uh, place a Khalifa. place a Khalifa in the earth, a someone who comes uh, after someone else, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you want to have this this this, this common understanding of it, and the um, angels upon hearing this said. Whoever goes to the earth will make problems and will create disorder and will shed blood. But Allah said, I know that which you know not. Mm-hmm. He taught Adam the, the, uh, Adam the names of, of all his attributes. Yeah. Then he presented the manifestations of those attributes to the angels and asked them, tell me the names of these, if you are right. They answered, holy art thou, no knowledge have we, have we save that which thou hast taught us. Thou alone art the all-knowing, the possessor of wisdom. He turned to Adam and commanded him, Adam, do thou inform them of the names of these? When Adam had told them the names, Allah said to the angels, did I not, uh, did I not say to you, I know the secrets of the heavens and of the earth, mm-hmm. and I know all that you disclose and all that you conceal. Now, we have to note here that there is nothing about a lack of shrubs. There is no heavenly garden for Adam to fall from. The location is explicitly earth from the beginning. This is um, where we first find Adam. A garden is mentioned later, but since it is on earth, it can only mean a um, para, uh, paradisical abode here on earth, mm-hmm. peaceful and calm. 
The angels express worry that this will all change after God reveals himself to Adam, that blood will be shed and discord will erupt. God does not contradict them, but invokes his knowledge and answer, implying that their limited foresight restricts the horizon of their understanding. Mm-hmm. So that's basically so. The so first so just 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 to summarize the narrative of the Quran, um, where it speaks about uh, you know um, Adam alayhi salam, uh, may peace and blessings of God be upon him. It's 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 saying that it's not it's not the first man, but it's the first prophet. Yes. So you, what, what what you're basically saying is that there came a time upon mankind, you know, after the long evolution, where Adam and his people were the first, where they were capable. Of receiving the first Sharia, yeah. which was shari- 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 Sharia, meaning the first law of God yes. from 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 God, yes. and I think this is what we're we're actually trying to emphasize because we know from the very fact, and Quran does not say, spe- you know, categorically that he was the first human being, yeah. right? It, do- it doesn't say that. It, the, the 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 word that Quran uses uses is Khalifa, yes, right? And and Khalifa, we know very very well that <clears throat> this word is not just used for, you know, it's used for. Uh, the you know the, the the successors of the prophets, but this word is also used for the prophets and them themselves, yes. who are successors of Allah, right yes. on this earth. Exactly. And and so, but 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 for them to for them to for them to teach something to others, there has to be people there. Yes, exactly. And and scientifically, we know as well that people existed before. So what yes. we're saying is, and and a lot of the time the the allegation is you're going against the Quran, but that's not that's not the point. The point mm. is the point is. Such an interpretation is going against the Quran. Mm. If, if you're saying he was the first man, who was he teaching to? Exactly. You know, you know what, the, the purpose of his coming was to, you know, teach yeah. others. So, so I think this is uh, very, very important. And also, um, you know, he's clearly described as a representative of God, as mm. I was saying, who, mm. who who receives revelation. Mm. In other words, he he was a prophet. He's he's taught the names of God. Mm. You know, as you were mentioning, those being his attributes. And in doing so, he becomes an image of God, emulating God's qualities to a far greater degree than even the angels could. Yes. Right? Now, having been so commissioned as a prophet, the Quran then describes how he falls prey to suggesting to suggestions from a satanic individual. Mm-hmm. Right? <clears throat> and then and this, 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 this is the interpretation of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, let's be very honest there. This individual tempts him to eat of a certain tree, promising blessed results which turned out to be accursed. Mm-hmm. What is the meaning of eating from this tree? Now the Quran tells us that the end result was a schism in the community of Adam, mm-hmm. with you know some becoming the enemies of the others. Yes, um, this suggests that it was not a literal tree. Yes, that was meant, since eating from trees does not generally cause communities to drastically you know fracture. Yeah, exactly. Now, in fact, what was meant, you know, as was explained by the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the second Khalifa, the second successor of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi upon him. That the forbidden tree meant a certain family who would cause grief for Adam and the dis- and the believers if if approached. Hmm. The language of the Quran sustains this because in Arabic the word shajara, hmm. the, the word that's used, yes. means both a tree as well as people. Yes. And such an association we also find continues today in the idea of a family tree, yes. with a tree representing the root and you know branch of people. So, you know, of course this is this is a long interpretation, but by following Satan's ill advice, though with good intentions. And that's why the Quran doesn't say he sinned. He says Wanasiya, he forgot. Walam Najid Lahu Azma. And we did exactly. not find any intention. Exactly. Right? Um, a conflict, you know, arises and Adam's community is split. Realizing his mistake, he seeks forgiveness from God. And this accords with the 
Bible story when Adam and Eve cover their nakedness with fig leaves, right? Mm. This, of course, can't be, we can't, we, we don't take it li- 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 yes. literally, right? Mm. Leaves are a symbol for prayer in spiritual terminology and prayers by which the ill effects of the exposed weakness were covered up. Mm. Such leaves, and, and uh, Salman, we also find this allegorical you know, language elsewhere in the Quran where, where it says, um, mm-hmm. right? For the husbands are a garment for their wives, and, yes. and the wives are garment, and they're both exactly. garments for each other. Yeah. other. Yeah. We know that it's not. This is not in a literal sense. Exactly. Or, 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 or when the Quran says that nisaakum harthul, you know harthul lakum, right? That, yes. that, that, that your wives are your crops. Yes, we know that. This, the, what, what it means that they produce children yeah. for you, right? Yes. So, so, so this this is the same understanding in which we have to understand the words of our Creator. Mm. Right, that, mm. that and 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 you can't find conflict in no. that. That's not to say everything that's mentioned in the Quran is allegorical and metaphorical. Yeah. But 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 we have to understand that when there is, you know, such such profound meaning, yeah. to bring those meaning down to a mere literal un- understanding, yeah. doesn't provide any benefit. Mm. Right. So I think this is for the people to now, you know, you know, listen to and understand and and read both of these interpretations. And then come to a conclusion: What is the right interpretation for themselves? Okay, so we're mentioning that such leaves can also signify young men, meaning that the n- young men of this community helped with, helped him in the schism that erupted, perhaps indicating the nature of the conflict. So, what has been, you know, of course, what we're mentioning here is bare outline, you know, considering the time that we have. Yeah. The Quran giving a rich narrative discussed in, in many places. So the question that we have and we were asking was Adam the first man? The Quran clearly tells us. Uh, and 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 gives gives us an account that is both plausible and insightful, but the whole thing would collapse if Adam is described as literally the first man on earth. Mm-hmm. Fortunately for Muslims, it never describes him so. And that, that's that's what I, what we were em, em, you know yeah, emphasizing before. Exactly. Moreover, there's ample ev- uh, you know evidence there that uh, that Adam was only the first prophet, and not the first man. So you know, Salman, if you can delve a bit more on you know you were mentioning about the idea of him being a Khalifa and why mm. that word Khalifa is so important because mm, mm, mm. God could have said Adam was the first man yeah why did yeah. he use why did he ch- you know why because it's important when Allah the Almighty you, you know chooses to use a word there there is a great sig- significance in that mm. and when, when he does not use it you know a particular word for you know for being the first human being there is a great significance in that exactly, as well exactly so if you can I explain mean, that we, we have further. to keep in mind that this is not the word of an of, of, of a common author this is the word of God. So every single word and where that certain word is placed and how it's pronounced, etc., etc., <coughs> is going to have so many meanings to it. Yep. And as you were saying earlier as, as well, that some of the meanings just will come to us with time as well, right? Mm-hmm. As time passes, we are learning so many things. And that, again, is, is a miracle of the Holy Quran. It is a miracle of Allah the Almighty. Yep. Um, we, we did ask uh, our, our, our listeners to uh, if they have any questions about Prophet, uh, Prophet Adam. Um, and we will answer those towards the end of the program. But just we'll, we'll want to read out the, 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 the two we've got so far. Uh, one was, how many Adams are there? Is there any more than... Uh, if, if there are more than one, please explain. Mm-hmm. And the second one is, is, is more of a comment. It's, uh, and the, the person says, it's somehow funny, uh, but, there, uh, but here in Pakistan, people say Adam was 90 feet tall. So that a bit of a funny comment here, but again, yeah. uh, goes to show the the kind of stories that that are being told to our youth today. So, um, 
Adam as a caliph, as a khalifa. Firstly, the Quran introduces Adam by calling him a khalifa. Yep. As in the verses presented earlier, uh, that I'm going to make someone a caliph yep. In, yep. In, in the earth. A caliph literally means one who comes after another. So basically a successor. It also means a representative in the way that one who follows represents the former. Now the question is, why was Adam not termed a prophet or messenger, but introduced as a khalifa? The founder of the Indian community, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Qadiyan, <coughs> peace be upon him, um, explained the importance of this uh, terminology over a hundred years ago. And he states, We believe that human beings existed even before the time of Adam. This view is clearly implied in the words of the Holy Quran where it says, Inni ja'ilun fil ardi khalifa. I am about to place a caliph in the earth. Yep. The word khalifa means a successor. Now, this verse implies, therefore, that Allah's creation existed before Adam. Consequently, with regard to the races found in America and Australia, we are not in a position to say whether they have descended from this last Adam or from a different ancestor or ancestors. Mm -hmm. um, it further goes, Abu uh, Islam then gives us a second reason. Mm -hmm. to believe that Adam is not the first man. He cites the famous vision of one of Islam's most revered saints, Ibn Arabi. Yep. And uh, he says that there is a saying of Muhyiddin Ibn Arabi that bears on this question. He writes that when he went on pilgrimage to Mecca, mm -hmm. he met a man there in, in a vision who he thought was Adam. Mm -hmm. He asked the man if he was Adam, to which the man replied, there have been thousands of Adams. Mm. Which of them do you mean? That partly answers uh, the, the question exactly that, that, that has been asked. asked yeah. But I think we will speak about this uh, in, in more detail towards the end. Okay. I think, I think, we, we, um, I think we, there's, 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 there's a lot to discuss here. Uh, there's a lot to discuss here, you know, as, as, as you, was, you were mentioning rightly here, mm -hmm. um, you know, with regards to the testimony of, of, of Ibn Arabi is such, yes. such a profound, you know, uh, you know, you know, vision. Yeah. If you really think think yeah. about it, which which sort of explains a cycle of mankind, right? That that, that mankind goes through these these diff different cycles, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and I think there's so there's so much, uh, you know, there's so much explanation that that one needs to understand because another important aspect here is the the expulsion from the garden because the general or the traditional view, let, let's say, is you know, um, you know, among people, mm. is that that garden was not on this earth; it mm. was in the heaven. Yes. Whereas yes. that directly contradicts with the Quran, where Allah Almighty says that whoever enters it does not leave it. Yeah. Right. So where where do we stand in that? Mm. So I think discussing about this, the let, the, let, the latter part of the Quran story of Adam itself, you know, also contradicts the first man hypothesis. But I think before actually going to um, you know discussing about the expulsion from the garden, we do have on the line, uh, you know. Uh, our guest who I've, I've requested to join, but we have brother, brother Tahir Nasir, Dr. Dr. Tahir, Tahir, Tahir Nasir, who also, uh, you know, runs, uh, you know, a very, uh, you know, very inform, you know, informational web website known mm. as The Rational Religion. Yes. They yes. also have a podcast where they, where they cover these, you know, topics very extensively. This is the very reason that I've invited him. Asalaamu Alaikum, brother Tahir, are you there? Yes, I'm available. How are you? Alhamdulillah. Thank you so much for joining us. I know it was it was it was at the very last moment, 
that you know we, we you know we approached you. So we're discussing Adam whether he was the first man, and I think you may have been listening into uh, you know some of the you know, things that we're just dis- discussing. And 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 of course the beauty of it all is how it's explained by uh, you know to us by the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him and his his khulafa, his his successors. So you know and I, I know you don't have, you don't have much time, but what we wanted to ask you you know with uh, the questions that we had for you was the cost the concept of of you know of Adam being the first man has you know long been debated. How does the Quran, and we have you know dis- discussed about this briefly? Uh, how does the Quran's perspective on Adam as a prophet rather than the first human align with the modern scientific understanding and research on human origins? Um, well, I think it's quite well known that from religious literature, Adam was about six thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. That's what the Bible and the Quran tell us. Yeah. Um, in terms of modern science, tells us is that um, the human species have been around for. Uh, it depends on what you define as the human species, but mm-hmm. Homo sapiens at least for 50,000, 60,000 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you look at the general family of um, the the species, you're, you're looking at, for example, Homo nalendi or um, uh, Denisovan or, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, all the different classifications and subclassifications of the kind of hominid family. Mm-hmm. Then you're looking at hundreds of thousands uh, of years old, yeah. Um, and what the Quran tells us is that, yeah. So that that's basically. I won't go into the Quran thing because you're you're going to, I'm sure, cover that very well. But yeah. um, according to modern scientific thinking, um, humanity has uh, come has emerged from Africa about fifty to sixty thousand years ago during this particular cycle, um, mm. and that then they spread from East Africa into Arabia and then back from Arabia into Africa, but also from Arabia mm-hmm. throughout the whole of the world, and that's been confirmed with Y-chromosome studies. So the interesting point, actually, is that the Western Hejaz is the last ta- last place that our species was altogether mm. um, in this particular wave of migration. Mm-hmm. Um, but it may very well be that previous um, cycles of different uh, humans, so human, uh, Homo naledi, um, Denisovan, Neanderthal, that they actually had already populated many of the different parts of the world, and therefore you have that's why you have different proportions, for example, of um, yeah. Denisovan and uh, Neanderthal genes in different parts of the world. Interesting, and also very complicated. Also, <laughs> how <laughs> how many Adams you know are there? Let's you know we, we you know we speak about it, and, and, and we were mentioning the division of Ibn Arabi before just before you came. I know you don't have much time. Uh, is there if there are more than one Adam, how can we actually explain this you know, to people? I think um, one thing that's well known is the fact that there's a what's known as the Milankovitch cycles, and that means that every 100,000 years there's a 20,000 year period mm-hmm. um, during which um, the, ice age, uh, the ice age melts. So you have like an 80 to 100,000 year ice age, and then you have a 20,000 year warm period. Mm-hmm. And that's because of the um, that's because of the tilt of the Earth around the Sun mm-hmm. and how it rotates. So um, that's known as the Milankovitch cycle. So mm-hmm. every 100,000, 120,000 years, you get a warm period of 20,000 years. And we're actually coming to the end of the warm period now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's thought that basically the, during these warm periods, you get a kind of migration of humans, um, or hominid species across the world because the glaciers melt and enable migration. Now, we don't know how advanced previous... Um, species were ultimately mm. we don't really know because we've had a hundred thousand year period of degradation and ice age in between us yep. and these cycles have gone on for many of them i mean i don't know off the top of my head how many milankovitch cycles and when it actually commenced 
mm-hmm. uh, but certainly millions of years. So we, we're potentially looking at lots and lots of cycles of humanity mm-hmm. um, that have occurred and uh, migrations out of Africa at different time points uh, with civilizations that are buried in the dust and we will never know about them because you know all traces of them have been have been lost by weather and time. Interesting. So Adam is, uh, would it be right to say that he, he, you know, speaking of Adam that's mentioned the Quran, that, you know, when we say he was the first prophet, um, that he was, would it be right to say he was the first prophet for our sort of cycle? Yeah, I think that that's probably a sensible way of putting it. Um, Mm -hmm. But it may very well be an archetype of all the Adams from Mm -hmm. all the beginnings of all of the civilizations, because, you know, it doesn't quite make sense that God would that the, the the story would be different with each new start. It's mm. more likely that the story would be the same with each new start. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's such a deep topic, and I know you you at work. So thank you so much for you know taking out your time and you know speaking to us. That's okay. It's a pleasure. Zakala, assalamualaikum. Thank Take you. So this was Brother Tahir Nasser, um, last minute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, request I made to him to um, you know to join. Always a pleasure listening to him. Yeah. And Allah Ta'ala has blessed some people with the knowledge as well as the speaking power. Or the articulation, yes. MashaAllah, yes. and he's, he's very, very, well very good at that, mashallah. Yeah, so I think we were covering uh, the, the, the expulsion from the garden, right? Yes. And we were saying that, um, you know, the latter part of Quran's story of Adam itself also contradicts the first man hypothesis. And he was saying that, that Adam was instructed not to approach a certain group of people, you know, a tree whose fruits would bear a discord mm. right and after the schism that that erupted the Quran <coughs> records God addressing Adam and saying uh, Adam and Eve and saying to the and to their people Allah commanded go forth both parties all together from the garden some of you will be enemies of others and then he says if there comes to you guidance from me then whoso follows my guidance will not go astray mm. nor will he come to grief this is from chapter 20 verse 124 so now the compound of both ihbita you know in in minha uh, which is a jewel and the word together jamia clarifies that these two groups mm. you know had many people with them yes. so, uh, again it goes yeah. against the first man hypo- you know first mm. man hypothesis mm. as you were mentioning moreover the same effect is found in the grammar uh, in in chapter 7 verse 25 mm. and these two verses clearly indicate for us that there were many people you know, around some of whom became enemies of each other. And after Adam, you know, uh, you know we, we don't say disobeyed because yeah. the Quran clearly tells us it wasn't a, it wasn't disobedience, but it was forgetfulness, yeah, right? Yes. Nisyan. So it, it becomes highly implausible that all of these people were simply Adam's children. Mm. And if this is what the Quran meant, then why would it not mention this essential fact? Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. That, that, that That's an obvious question. Yes. So in reality, and, and just to you know, sum, sum it up a little bit, this would go against the Quran story, which tells us that the entire schism occurred because Adam interacted with a different family, mm-hmm. um, you know, a different tree. Yes. Uh, clearly, because it may have been that the instruction was to preach to his own family, because we know it, it's just... just that, 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 that the difference between the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and those prophets that came before him that they came for a specific people and for a specific time yeah. it is only the Prophet peace be upon him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who claims inni rasulullahi ilaykum jamia that I have been sent as a messenger to all of mankind mm, right mm. so clearly the, the, the Quran's narrative makes little sense without there being a pre-existing human community mm. of which Adam was a part and so Adam could not have you know, literally been the first man but the first of new class of man Yes. Actually, you know, as you were mentioning, a prophet. Yeah. So after the schism, 
you know, Adam and his community were made to migrate from their peaceful homeland to another promised land. And this may be what the Bible later misinterpreted as a fall from paradise. Yes. Because that, that where they were living, they, it, it might have been a place where everything was in order. Yeah. Right? And that's why it was referred to as, you know, a paradise. The Quran, however, keeps emphasizing that all this happened on earth, where it says, Walakum fil ardi. Right? It says, and Allah said, Go forth, some of you will be enemies of others. There is an abode for you and provision for for for, for, a, for a time on this earth. Yes. And that's something that's you know is something that needs to be em- em- emphasized here. And then it says in the, and then the Quran also emphasizes that those who enter paradise will never leave it. Mm. Right? And this is a very 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 important fact as well. Yeah. That Wa This is from chapter fifteen, verse forty nine, where Allah says, They shall never be very nor shall they be ejected therefrom. Yes. Right? So it can't be that God has a certain principle at the time of Adam, and then at the time of the Holy Prophet, he's presenting it all, you know, a diff- different principle, mm. basically contradicting himself. So that can't be true. So it can't be, um, you know, you know, heaven as we un- understand, you know, in the Islamic terminology where one goes after he's passed away in accordance with his deeds. I think another thing that uh, we probably need to understand is mm-hmm. maybe determine where he actually was then. Mm. Right. So if it, now that we have established that it was the earth, mm-hmm. where on the earth did, did this phenomena take place? Mm-hmm. So the second caliph of the community, uh, Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmed, argued yeah. that Adam likely resided somewhere in the modern-day Iraq. Um, Adam, the first prophet um, of human culture. So so far, we have seen how Adam was the first to receive revelation in our era. Of humanity, and, and that's something uh, Dr. Tahir Nasser was alluding to as well. The Quran describes how he brought about basic moral culture into humanity, raising them from brutes to being truly human. Mm-hmm. He gave them basic social teachings to ensure that man is fed, watered, sheltered, and clothed. Uh, this constituted the first government. Um, as it states, as states in the Holy Quran, it is, uh, it is provided for thee that thou wilt not hunger therein nor wilt thou be naked and that thou wilt not thirst therein nor wilt thou be exposed to the sun mm-hmm. so very basic commandments and so we could say that, that this is the start of human civilization really there mm-hmm. um, as the second uh, caliph of the MBA community explained in a profound 1937 lecture the angels were right that the introduction of spiritual claims by prophets meant that blood would be shed to ensure that moral laws were respected in civilizations. Governments with monopolies on force would need to be established by humans who now desired the social provisions. These governments would need to have the legitimacy and power to punish those who worked against the interests of the people at large. While the angels could predict the inherent violence of government, they were unable to perceive how the establishment of government and the development of civilization would ultimately lead to peace that far outstripped the law of the jungle. The Quran indicates that apart <coughs> from uh, his prophethood, Adam was also the first, uh, the first such political leader of the government. While prophethood and political leadership are not inherently combined, they sometimes are, as in the case of Moses and the Prophet Muhammad but unlike Jesus, peace be upon, him, uh, be upon them all. 
Given this, it is interesting that modern scholarship dates ancient state formation to around 4000 BC uh, with uh, Susa and Uruk uh, in the Iraq and Iran region about the time when many Muslim and Christian scholars place Adam. It begs the question of whether these civilizations were founded by Adam and his successors. Of course, a prophet, uh, as a prophet, he also Im imparted spiritual teachings, teaching them to pray to the one God and giving them moral laws to make them spiritually uh, progress. Mm -hmm. It is stated in the Holy Quran, uh, 1637, and we did raise among every people a messenger preaching, worship Allah and shun the evil one. Yep. Then among them were some whom Allah guided and among them were some who became deserving of ruin. Mm -hmm. So who was the first man? So what does the Quran say about the first man? Um, well, as the fourth uh, caliph of the Amda community once quipped, it turns out that according to the Quran, the first man was a woman. You know, since you mentioned that, I, th I, th I, th I think we're, I think let's come back to this. We have an audio that we, we you have to actually two sure. audios that we wanted yes. to play. Yes. Um, one of them was, can one prove that Adam was not the first man on earth? The second was, was Prophet Adam the first man? So these are both very similar yes. ones. I think let's listen to the first, yes. you know, word, can one prove that Adam was not the first man on earth? This is being answered by His Holiness, the fourth caliph of the Amdi Muslim community. No, but do they accept uh, the scientific discovery of man? Yes, certainly. Then there is no, no, it's not at all difficult to disprove whatever is said in Bible about the creation of man. Everything has already been disproved and long been disproved by the Christians themselves. All the scientific discovery about the origin of life and origin of man tells us that uh, it is uh, hundreds of thousands years, hundreds of thousands of years uh, before uh, Adam was ever born that we have found we, we get the evidence of man's presence on earth, and uh, many types of men have been discovered. Recently, there was an article about Sudan. Now, the limelight is being shifted to Sudan because they have discovered some remnants of human bones which indicate that perhaps the first man was born in Sudan. Previously, it was a Neanderthal man, then it became the Chinese man and so on and so forth. But the more and more the investigation is sinking deeper, the origin of man is being removed farther away in time from us. And it may be a million years or more, or we don't know as yet. Um, is there any book or any um, uh, pamphlets that I can um, look upon as references to this? You can ask, I mean this is a, a commonplace thing, I can't refer to any particular book. But it has become just commonplace. Go to any library and tell him, give me something on the origin of man or uh, the age of man. How long the Homo sapien has been found on this earth to our knowledge. He would suggest so many books to you. And you can open it up at the right place and show it to your Christian friends. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, tomorrow then, already late, huh? your question, you are still here, aren't you? Yes, sir. Okay.
The Azan piece, uh, the question is that was Hazrat Adam the first man? The answer in short to that is no. He was not the first man. There were men before him. And which were the people whom he addressed as a prophet? The second part of your question. And the answer is that his people where he was born, his own tribe, that tribe which had developed to, ex to an extent that it was uh, in the eyes of uh, the sight of Allah capable of receiving a Sharia, a law from God. They were in fact the most developed people of, of that age. And uh, they had reached a point of sophistication and of culture where they were capable of receiving Allah's message and ultimately uh, paying due heed to it, though in the beginning they didn't, but ultimately I mean. So that is the institution of prophethood which is mentioned. So the first man capable of receiving a revelation from Allah, that was Adam. But not the first man. The first man lies long, I mean, was born, say, many, many hundred thousand years ago. So far they have discovered the bodies of, of men known to have buried long, long ago. And they describe, they have been preserved in fact now. So the more famous among them is Neanderthal man and then China, Chinese man, so some place, Canton or some other place. So they have been naming them according to the place where they were discovered. And I don't remember exactly but I think it is a few hundred thousand years ago that the first man uh, uh, ago that they have the evidence that at least a man was present in that age. Beyond that they don't know yet. So this was His Holiness, the fourth Caliph of the Amdiya Muslim community. Again, you know, very shortly he, you know, he, he answers that question in, in one of the question answer session. But the reality is he's written extensively on that. Um, I think one of his books was The Revelation, Rationality and Truth. Yes. Right. And I think it deeply covers that topic. Um, Revelation, Rationality, Knowledge and Truth. Knowledge and Truth, yeah. So if someone wants to listen, uh, wants to read that book uh, and detail analysis of, 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 of the, the origin story, the evolution and all of that. That is discussed, <clears throat> you know, in that book. And also we have a web website, uh, The Rational Religion, as I was mentioning, which is the True Islam UK mm. uh, website. You can also, you know, go there and, 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 and study these topics further. But Salman, I, apologies, I interjected. You were talking about uh, something very important and you were saying, uh, I think, with regards to who, who, who was the first man then, isn't it? Yes. So you were covering that. I, 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 was, I was saying in regards to this, um, that the fourth caliph of the community, who we just listened to also, yeah. um, he uh, has given this this notion that the, 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 the first man was actually a woman. Mm. Uh, as it's stated in the Holy Quran, um, chapter 4, verse 2, O ye people, fear your Lord who created you from a single soul. And for single soul, the word used, uh, we have to give a bit of a background here in Arabic, it says, nafsin wahidatin, yeah. which is female. 
and created therefrom its mate, and from them twain spread many men and women. Mm-hmm. And fear Allah, in whose name you appeal to one another, and fear Him particularly, respecting ties of relationship. Very Allah watches over you. So the single soul referred to here uh, is in the feminine form, the Arabic nafsin wahidatin. A mate is produced from this female, and from this pair, men and women spread. This is a reasonable scientific uh, hypothesis um, for uh, speciation on which suggests that new species may have to come from females who produce new offspring and then mate with them. So that's yes. obviously another um, notion that has been brought forward here. Very, very, very interesting because if, if you compare that to, um, you know, the so sort of the origin story that, that, that is taken by people from, you know, in Nijayalun Vilardi Khalifa, you know, mm-hmm. about Ad, Ad, Adam alayhi salam, this, this is a lot more it's very much specific if you really mm. think about it because mm. Allah says who created you from a single soul yes. you know you know speaks about you know creation here mm. um, but I think there's so many aspects to this this story of Adam <coughs> uh, apologies there's, there's so many aspects to it you know mm. you know what is the Islamic under, un, understanding of you know divine attributes yes. you know the knowledge that was give, 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 given to Adam um, you know what, what what was it meant when Allah says Ushuduli Adam, submit to Adam. Yes, right. Was it a physical prostration, or, mm. or what was it? Mm. I think let's cover, 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 cover that aspect as well. Where, you know, when when you read about the Adam, uh, you know, in in the Quran, we also reminded of the incident where, you know, the angels were told to submit to him. Mm. And <laughs> so Allah Almighty states that when we commanded the angels to uh, submit before Adam mm-hmm. they all did. But um, uh, uh, Iblis, but 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 Satan did 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 not. Okay, so this episode has been mentioned as 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 you mentioned um, in one of these verses and also in other verses, but particularly in chapter two, verse thirty-five. Now the verse does not mean that the angels were commanded to prostrate as worship before Mm. Adam, Mm. uh, as as the only thing worthy of prostrate is Allah Himself, and it has been established in Surah. Hamim Sajda yes. that 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 lillahi ladhi khalaqahunna in kuntum illa iyyahu ta'budun that 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 prostrate yourselves before Allah who created you know everything the sun and the moon mm. right mm. and it is uh, him whom you really worship now the meaning of this verse then is that the angels were commanded to assist Adam and help mm. him in his mission to assist believers in one of the tasks of angels as mm. explained by as a muslim in his book uh, malaikatullah mm. right which mm. is uh, the angels, yes. if you just translate it. Yes. And regarding this, the five volume commentary, um, you know, if you go on, if you go on Al Islam and you go to a particular verse and you want to read a commentary, there's a five volume commentary yes. there in, yes. in English for people to read. The word sajada has has been used. It says here in the sense of obedience and submission, mm-hmm. right? Because of course, when we do submit to Allah, when we do a sajda. Mm. What what are we actually implying? Mm. It's, it's obedience and sub- yes. submission. Thus, the verse means that God bade the angels to serve Adam. That is, assist him in his mission. In in this way, the angels are ordered to serve all prophets of God. Their chief duty do being to help the cause of a prophet <coughs> mm. and to draw the hearts of men towards him. And this is you know the un- understanding that is also mentioned by the promise of Sahabi upon him as well. So we're coming to the end of the program. Although there's so much more to discuss about this topic. Yes. And this is just to give you a little bit of taste. Uh, and and just 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 to open our minds uh, and 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 to go and do a further reading, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm.
and, and, and see what, what, what conclusion we come to. So as we wrap up this edition of the Drive Time Show, uh, we would like to thank you know, our listeners for joining us on this you know, remarkable journey through narratives of Adam, the first man, um, or the first prophet. We have been through the pages of history, theology, and faith, seeking to understand the profound significance of Adam's story. In the end, we can see that the Bible gives us a very basic understanding of Adam. However, the Quran gives a very coherent, insightful account of Adam's story, one that accords with both rationality, scientific research, and it also helps us to see that the biblical narrative has 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 gains of truth, and but unfortunately obscured by the sands of, you know, of 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 time. And the quest for knowledge, uh, you know, and understanding is indeed a a lifelong journey. And we encourage all of our listeners, our dear listeners, to continue exploring, questioning, and seeking answers. And it's through open and respectful dialogue that we can bridge gaps in understanding, and foster a great sense of unity. And compassion, and with that, I think we're coming to. Uh, we have come to the end of the program. We only have about a minute or two to go. But we would like to thank, you know, uh, the producers, especially, uh, you know, uh, Fahim Nasser, who produced our second hour, uh, which was uh, Prophet Adam, the f- whether the first man or the first prophet, and 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 the first. Uh, um, the first uh, script that was, you know, the first program that was produced was by, if I'm, if I'm correct, Farah Mirza Farah from Mirza, Dallas, yes, USA. Yes, so we would also like to thank them, you know, for, uh, you know, for dedicating their time in, you know, in, in producing such, you know, great pro- uh, topics and also the tech team, uh, you know, that does the background work and everything. Any last words, uh, Brother Salman? Um I think, as you were rightly saying, it is important that we keep reading, we keep studying, right? Yeah. Um, this topic has shown us that <coughs> this can never be covered within an hour, yeah. right? There has been plenty of articles and books been written about this. So the best thing to do is um, hit w- one of our websites, as, as Raheel was mentioning earlier, it's, it's, it's True Islam UK, is uh, Rational Origin, is um, alislam.org. Find your sources there. Find, try to find the truth. And Islam goes in perfect accordance, rather the other way around. Science goes in perfect accordance Absolutely. with Islam. It's only uh, about the understanding. And by the grace of Allah the Almighty, the Ahmadiyya community claims to have such reasonable explanations for everything by the grace of Allah the Almighty. So I think that really brings us to the end of the show for today perfect uh, once again thank you so much uh, to all our li- this listeners uh, you know, those that called in those that didn't they were a bit reluctant they can call us maybe may in the next uh, program that, that we had with this uh, from me and Salman Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh may peace and blessings of God be upon you all